Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actionable Intelligence. Today is Saturday, October 9th, and this is the weekly market update. As always, this is not to be taken as investment advice. Anything you hear or see on this video or here on the podcast are my own opinions. I am not a financial analyst. I'm just a guy on the internet. Please do your own due diligence. It's your money. It's your responsibility. So before I get started this week, I just want to welcome a lot of the new subscribers. We've got a ton of new subscribers, not only at the channel, but um, for the newsletter. And a couple of things with the newsletter. I've been told that it's hard to use. It's not intuitive. I'm putting together a user's guide for, for new subscribers. Should have it out in the next week or two. I'll just send it out to all the subscribers uh, of the newsletter. And it'll give you an idea of what the philosophy is of the actionable intelligence alert newsletter, what I'm trying to accomplish, some things around why we invest in a lot of foreign stock markets, stocks overseas, how you can do that easily, uh, various brokerage firms you can use, um, basically the whole soup to nuts idea of what, how to use the newsletter to your best advantage. Um, if you're interested in the newsletter, we're doing pretty good now uh, as far as the returns we're seeing. We posted those last um, last video. I think we're up something like over 50% for the year. Uh, last couple of quarters, we've done well. We're beating the S&P handily. Now that won't continue. Um, that's not to be construed as, you know, past performance is no guarantee of future performance. You should know that going in, not only for the newsletter, but for anybody that's talking about their returns. You know, these things are up and down and not every quarter is going to be an up quarter. But I feel like buying undervalued assets, which is what we do, which we advocate doing, selling overvaluation, buying undervaluation, buying things that have blown up, that are out of favor, yet have a catalyst for a turn and a re-rating. That's basically what we're doing. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you to take a subscription to the newsletter. If you just want to get a sampling of the type of companies we're talking about, you can subscribe to my Patreon. There's links down below for all of this. And uh, $5 a month will, if you pledge that in Patreon, we will give you a one-time stock pick of the most current stock pick that will give you a view and a flavor for our writing style and what we are kind of companies we are, are buying. So if you're interested, you can avail yourself of that in the um, comments section below. I also encourage you to take a look at my reading list below. Uh, people ask me all the time, what investment books do I read? Have I read? I have a list below also. You can take a look at that. Uh, we'll just caution you that, well, not caution you, but just full disclosure. If you click on any of the links, it will take you to Amazon. If you buy anything, I will get a small commission. Okay, so we're still talking about energy. Why? Because it's basically been in the news now for the last month. We've been talking about energy since the start of inception of this channel. Energy, as I've said before, basically permeates every single activity that we do. It enables it, it allows for it, it allows for life. 
uh, as one person said, and I really like this definition, it turns back entropy. It allows us to overcome chaos in the short term. And so what do I mean by that? You know, if you have a backyard and you don't mow it or trim the bushes or trees, it'll eventually just chaotically grow and clog up and grass will grow and your bushes and trees will grow. So you have to go back there and expend energy to bring the chaos into some type of order. Uh, if you want to build a road into the, you know, wilderness, you need to take a bulldozer and chainsaws. This stuff takes energy. So that's what I'm talking about. And I think that people really have taken for granted the ubiquitous, cheap, and uh, um, av easily available energy that we do have that enables our at least Western civilization. And that's now coming into a um, question in some places. We're actually having an energy crisis that in my mind, and based on what I've been saying, at least on this channel and in my writings, which is self-inflicted. We have chosen this energy crisis. Why have we done that? Because we've said that we're going to transition away from fossil fuels to green energy, to a new economy. We're going to build back better. And what we have failed to do is that we have said to ourselves, we have identified the goal that we want to get there, but we have no path to it. And so we have, as we've done, in many cases in the West, we don't think things through. We don't have an appreciation for what the task really entails. We just want the result and we want it now. Well, if you have listened to my videos or my discussions on this matter, energy transitions are multi-decade events. You're not going to go, you know, the history, you're not gonna go from the use of fossil fuels that we have now to all renewables or whatever uh, is being proposed by these people, zero carbon, what I, whatever these things mean. It's not going to happen in two or three or four years. I don't think it will ever happen personally, but uh, just because of the you know various laws of, sec of thermodynamics and some other things. But that's beyond the scope of this current discussion. What I will say is that now we got a lot of people in CYA mode, they can see what's gonna happen. My view has been that uh, based on the folks that I listen to and that um, I go to for my meteorological uh, predictions, the winter that's coming in my view is going to start earlier, last longer and be of uh, colder proportions than in, the, than in the last few years. And that does not bode well uh, in an environment where we have constrained our supply of energy. You know, we're in the what they call the shoulder season between summer and winter. And this is the time when we should be rebuilding stocks of coal and natural gas and heating oil and these things. And it's just not happening because what we have done, we have made a choice, our policymakers, uh, our financial leaders, um, our society in general has made a choice that we are going to demonize the particular fuels that basically enable life, that enable our civilization. And I don't think this is hyperbole when I say these things. And I would suggest to you that there's a good possibility that a lot of people could die this winter. Because uh, if you don't have heat and you're in areas where it's very cold, you will die. We saw that happen in Texas this last previous year. You know, over 200 people perished during that winter storm when the power went out and we lost because of you know the ice storms 
and the low temperatures. And that's what happens. It's not global warming that gets you, it's the cooling that gets you. More people die from the cold than from heat. So we're getting into the CYA now, right? So we have, uh, this is a article from the, uh, I believe the Guardian. And uh, this is Thomas Friedman, you know, he's supposed to be this great thinker. And uh, his um, title of this article was, a scary energy winter is coming. Don't blame the Greens. Well, of course, it's not going to be the Greens' fault, right? It's not going to be the people that advocated for this not thought out energy transition that just, you know, wanted to snap their fingers and go from the sunk cost and a successful energy system that we had that allowed for a lot of vibrancy, economic growth, um, high standards of living, long and easy lives to immediately jump to a dispersed, less efficient energy sources with no transition period, with no thought about how you get from A to Z, just jump from A to Z, and this is what we're seeing. So what are some blurbs from the article? Natural gas and coal prices in Europe and Asia just hit their highest levels on record. Oil prices in America hit a seven-year high, and U.S. gasoline prices are up a dollar a gallon from last year. If this winter is as bad as some experts predict, with some in the poor and middle classes unable to heat their homes, I fear we'll see a populist backlash to the whole climate green movement. You can already smell that coming in Britain. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's already starting. Um, what do you think about five or six dollar a gallon gasoline? What do you think about, you know, gas, natural gas prices like you're seeing in Europe and Asia right now at 24, 25, 30, 40 dollars an MCF? And you're used to paying 250 in MCF here. You know, a $25 um, natural gas price per MCF would be the equivalent oil per barrel of something in the neighborhood of $150 a barrel. Yes, you know, the energy equivalent of 1,000 MCF uh, to one barrel of oil is six to one. So it takes 6,000 uh, 6, cubic feet of natural gas to, for the energy equivalent of a barrel of oil. So you can make a rough correlation that way. So how does Mr. Friedman, who's an apologist for the Davos man and a big, you know, uh, one of these guys that's always uh, in the New York Times, is a thought leader, if you will. He's an influencer. He's somebody that we should listen to. What does he say? How did we get here? In truth, it's a good news, bad news story. The good news is that every major economy has signed on to reducing its carbon footprint by phasing out dirtier fuels like coal to heat homes and to power industries. The bad news is that most nations are doing it in totally uncoordinated ways from the top down and before the market has produced sufficient clean renewables like wind, solar, and hydro. So you see, you can kind of see where this is going, right? After we have this tumultuous winter, we have the economy thrown for a loop, when we possibly, unfortunately, may have the poor and some lower middle class, you know, people suffering or people even dying. It's because it was an uncoordinated effort. We need to coordinate our effort. We need more centralized one world government to coordinate our effort. You see how they do this thing, stuff? You see how they put these people out there? You know, there was a blurb. I didn't, I'm not going to put it up here because uh, I guess the end is coming for John on YouTube quicker than we thought. Why? Uh, Google and uh, YouTube have announced that 
Um, you know, you can't talk about certain things related to medical situations or diseases on YouTube anymore. That's why I had to take the reality check offline onto alternative websites, okay, which you can check that out below too. If you're interested in the reality check, um, it's been, it drops every Sunday. I work on it uh, uh, in Sunday afternoons. You can take a look at that uh, links in the uh, show notes. But now it's going to be Google and YouTube have announced that they're not going to allow any anti-climate change discussion. They're not going to monetize or promote any videos that may. So you see, you see what's happening here. I've, I've, I've said that all along. We're going to go from the uh, certain medical situation that cannot be talked about to climate change. And that's how we're going to coordinate everything and get everybody lined up and going in the right direction. Uh, so this is very convenient for, for Davos, man. But we'll see how it goes. I think uh, he's going to be surprised uh, when uh, people see $150 a barrel oil. We have record coal prices now. We just had oil hit $80 a barrel WTI. That's the first time that's happened in many years. And, uh, you know, people are going to get squeezed. They're getting squeezed by these high energy prices. And I would suggest to you that the plan is going to come unraveled very quickly as populism reasserts itself. But I'll put a link to this in the show notes. You should take a look at it because these people are always looking for a way to get over on regular people. And this is, you know, all these crisis crises that they create, you know, we have to pay the penalty for. So this was interesting. This is another reason why you should be bullish on oil. Now, Occidental Petroleum is one of the largest producers of oil here in the United States. The Permium, I think they produce a total of about a, a little bit over a million barrels a day. So what did they say? They said uh, Oxy said it would rather raise dividends than invest in new oil projects. Well, that's certainly not going to be conducive or helpful to raising supply when demand is pushing price up and a constrained supply. Why are they doing that? Well, let's, let's look at what the article said. U.S. oil and gas producer Occidental wants to raise margins and reestablish dividend payments with new businesses such as carbon capture rather than producing more oil and gas, Chief Executive Vicki Halab said on Thursday, quote, we don't see that in 2022 and beyond that we need to grow production significantly. Quote, our growth in the period and maybe over the next 10 years will be more to be established, reestablish dividends and grow that dividend. So they're not interested in growing production for the sake of growing production. That's what gave us the shale boom, drill baby drill. It didn't matter that we didn't make any money doing it. It didn't matter that we weren't even cash flow positive. Now all the returns are going to, you know, it's all going to be around the dividend and returning capital to shareholders. And so that's not an environment where I think you're going to see uh, big investments into new production because, you know, society, the media, the banks, politicians are telling all these oil companies that, you know, your product is going away. It's going to be a stranded asset. So why would they invest money uh, in something that's, you know, everybody hates and wants to go away? But I think they're going to find out that it's not going away as fast as they think it's going away. And so we have more. Here's a shale oil boss says U.S. cannot contain oil price. U.S. oil producers are not able to increase supply to tame soaring crude prices that remain, quote, under OPEC control, according to the shale patch's biggest operator. Scott Sheffield, chief executive of Texas-based Pioneer Natural Resources, said America's once prolific shale producers 
would keep using their burgeoning cash piles to pay shareholders, not fund new drilling. Now we have two major oil producers in the US saying the same thing. They're not going to just drill for the sake of drilling. They're going to drill, they're going to produce for the sake of returning capital to their owners who are the shareholders. That's not, again, that's not going to be conducive to more supply. Quote, everybody's going to be disciplined, regardless whether it's $75 Brent, $80 Brent, or $100 Brent, Sheffield said. All the shareholders that I've talked to said that if anybody goes back to growth, they will punish those companies, unquote. Quote, I don't think the world can rely much on U.S. shale. It's really under OPEC control. And so, you know, we were in a situation where recently under the previous administration, we were kind of a net energy exporter. We were never going to be a, a non-importer of oil just because our refineries are set up for heavier crudes. And a lot of the crudes that we were producing cannot be refined properly in our refineries on the, on the Gulf Coast. So we would export that crude to other people, import other crude, refine it into gasoline, distillates, jet fuel, those type of things. And, you know, net net, we were, you know, I think for a small period of time, a net energy exporter. Of course, that's all reversed, right? Because we have a we now have an administration that's totally against fossil fuels that wants to take us to the new green deal, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you know, these these companies have, in a lot of cases, learned their lesson. They didn't have a choice, right? They almost went bankrupt recently. So much debt was taken on. We've talked about what happened in shale. So you're not going to see a big explosion. Now, there is quite a bit of activity going on in the oil patch, but it's mostly around more smaller, independent, private companies. You're not seeing a lot of the big companies uh, executing big projects uh, because uh, they've been told by their shareholders and by the owners, we want return of capital. So you can just sit there, maintain, spend enough cap, capex, capital expenditures to try to maintain production, and they just have these oil pri large oil prices return tremendous amounts of cash flow, which you can then do two, three things with, right? We've talked about this before, the Walter Schloss model of what you can do with cash. You can pay down debt, which is accretive to shareholders, right? You build equity, like when you pay off your home, you can buy back stock, which makes the, the stockholders that are still there, they own more of the company, or you can pay dividends. So that's what they're doing. And that's why I think that these are going to be, these have been, they're going to be tremendous investments uh, over the next uh, couple of years. I don't know how high the oil price could go. I definitely think we'll probably see $100 a barrel sometime next year. Some people are talking $150 a barrel. Some people are talking $200 a barrel. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see at what level the price will begin to ration demand. And then, you know, at some point when you get to 100, 120, 150, people will start drilling again. It's just, you know, they, there'll be a certain amount of people that will uh, commit capital to new wells. But we'll have to see. The other thing we need to see is how much spare capacity OPEC really has. There's a big debate among many analysts of what's OPEC's true ability to ramp up supply uh, if the demand uh, returns like we, it appears to be returning to pre-disease pre, uh, that cannot be mentioned levels. And then continued growth as uh, the world economy continues to recover. So we have a lot, of, we have some unknowns, but I think they're skewed to the upside. 
And uh, even when we saw the, the build for crude this week, we saw a building crude uh, during the API and EIA reports this week, uh, oil still rallied on that. And that is positive. That when you, that, you know, that's negative news that can be construed as negative news for the most part, but yet the oil price rallied on that news. It dipped a little bit, then came right back. And like I said, you know, WTI here in the U.S. cracked 80 this week. Uh, it fell back slightly on the close, but we were, you know, we, we had an 80 print uh, for WTI, which I think we haven't seen since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. So we're on our way to um, higher oil prices, a lot higher than many people think. And uh, that's, you know, we've, we've done tremendously well in the portfolio with that. One of the areas I think that still has a lot of potential for outsized gains is oil services. At some point, the cash flows will cycle back into new production because this fantasy world of um, build back better green, like I said, when this winter is basically going to slap people upside the head about reality, and I think you're going to see a political backlash. I mean, the Biden administration is collapsing here in the U.S. already. They're down to a you know, approval rating of less than 40. These are Jimmy Carter type numbers. That's what we've said. Return to the 70s, right? Jimmy Carter, um, you know, putting his sweater on in the Oval Office and telling everybody to turn their thermostats down during the last energy crisis in the 70s. And he was a one-term president. So I suspect if uh, they don't get this energy crisis under control, that this uh, president will be a one-term president. I don't even think he makes it to this term. He's uh, not doing well, I don't think, mentally. Unfortunately for him, he's got a lot of health issues. Okay, so here's the text. There's been a lot of articles here about this. Um, oil explorers need to raise budgets. Um, this is a guy that we like to follow, Alexander Stahel. Oil explorers, this is a Bloomberg article uh, below this, but uh, I didn't you know, you got to subscribe to Bloomberg, but you know, I've seen these articles all over. Oil explorers need to raise drilling budgets by 54% to more than half a trillion dollars to forestall a significant supply deficit in the next few years, according to Moody's Investor Services. And the same thing's been echoed by Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, all the big firms are saying the same thing. Uh, I've seen investment gaps of anywhere from 500 billion to one to two trillion is how big the gap is. And the demand is coming back. We've talked about it before. You have to figure one and one and a half percent demand increase with a growing world economy, with all of the emerging markets, with all the frontier markets. You've got a place like Africa that has a billion people that haven't even, most of them people there haven't even switched to light switch yet. You have uh, India uh, still developing. Uh, its oil per capita is very low usage. That's going to increase. You've got Indonesia with 200, 300 million people, something like that. I could go on for uh, a while here. So you get the you get the point. And these things, these places are not. They want to live like everybody else. They want to develop. They want to have economic development. It requires energy. It requires tremendous amounts of energy, which will not be supplied by solar panels and wind, unfortunately. It, uh, petroleum will have to be involved in this and we haven't made the necessary investments in the the payoff is coming i've been talking about this for two years the lack of investment and now it's finally coming home uh in a big way so i would suggest that um that the energy portion of the s p is now ticked up from two percent of the s p 500 to three percent over the last few weeks and i think you know 
do we get back to the late 70s, early 80s, where it was 20% of the S&P? Probably not. Can we get to 10%? Maybe. I mean, we've got a long way to go. I mean, these stocks have moved quite a bit. We have a tremendous uh, amount of, amount of uh, recovery left. And uh, like I said, as energy underpins, underpins everything else, I think you're going to see the trade would be, you know, a lot of your tech stocks, they're just going to get ravaged by this inflation that's coming uh, as energy outperforms, as commodities outperform. That's where the money's going to rotate to. And we're in the initial stages of that rotation. It really hasn't begun. A lot of the smart money has moved there already. And uh, over time, I, I, I think our thesis is going to be proved correctly. So correct. So we'll see. Again, here's some more of the, um, this is from JP Morgan. This kind of visualizes the spending gap. You see, can see the cumulative missing CapEx broadly, uh, 600 billion. You can see the, um, there just has not gonna be been enough spend. We estimate required spend to meet demand is 600 billion higher versus the prevailing outlook, okay? So uh, depending who you look at or you wanna listen to his research, they're all consistent saying uh, the amounts may be different. However, the, the, the view is the same. We have underspent. We have, don't, we have not spent enough money to replace the reserves and production that's already been produced. Okay. Here's the Los Angeles Times, right? Uh, Germany to clo close all 84 of its coal-fired power plants will rely primarily on renewable energy. I mean, that's not going to work unless Germany wants to become a second or third rate world type situation. Um, I don't think the German people have signed up for this. They don't wanna burn coal. The Greens don't wanna burn coal. The people don't wanna burn coal. It's dirty, it's messy, it's ugly. We're gonna do it. They wanna shut all the nuke plants down but yet they think they're going to run Europe's biggest manufacturing and technological powerhouse off renewable energy. It's not going to happen. Not, it's not nine. It ain't going to happen, guys. You, it's a math problem. You have to do the math. If you don't believe me and you're a green listening to shaking your head and shaking your fist at the screen about how John doesn't know what he's talking about, then I challenge you to go determine how many terawatts of, a, of power, you could do the conversions to BTU, however you want to do it. How much power does Germany use every year now? And if you take out the coal and nuclear component, what's the gap and how, how and then you assume certain production rates for wind turbines and solar, okay? And then tell me how you're going to replace all that. Or, or is your view, if you're agreeing that you're going to take away two thirds or 75% of Germany's power and people are just going to have to live off the 25%. They'll be living in medieval conditions like you were back in the Middle Ages. Okay, that'll be that simple. And the people will not stand for it. There will be a populist uprising. So that's what I'm trying to tell people. And even if you wanted to, to rely primarily on renewable energy, it's going to take fossil fuels to enable you to build out the renewable energy. That's another thing that people do not understand. So I got you coming and going. Heads I win, tails I win more. This has been our mantra. This has been our thesis for over a year. You want to go full renewables? You pay me 
on the fossil fuels there and I get you on all the materials. If you want to build out your nuclear, you pay me for the for the uranium and for the materials to build it out. You're not going to get away from it. Or the other choice is you take on a substantial reduction in your living standard. And no one, that will not fly with most people. You put that to people, here's your choices, have extremely high energy prices or live a um, greatly, and I mean greatly reduced living standard by 80%, people will not vote for that. Now, if the plan is to just impose it on them by force, well, that's a different story. Um, you know, Mao did say that power comes from the barrel of the gun, and maybe that's what their plan is. I really don't know. But uh, in a democratic type situation, the people won't stand for it. And we simply have not invested enough money, and it's going to be a problem. Okay, so this is uh, what I was talking about earlier. This is Axios, this is off Twitter. Justin, Google and YouTube will prohibit ads and monetization on climate denial content. Um, I don't deny that the climate changes. The climate has always changed. It will continue to change. The real question is, is um, what can we do about it? What should we do about it? What's realistic and what's not realistic? That's really the real question. Um, if the narrative is, do you believe that our industrial society and our way of life causes it? Well, that's a different question also. So we'll see where they're going with this, but it goes back to what I said before. You guys, you got to get off these platforms. I'm on YouTube because it's the most popular platform. And for most of the things I talk about, it gives me the most reach. But they're, these are not free speech platforms. This is controlled this is uh, this is like Pravda. This is like the you know East Germany. We're heading in that direction. You can only spout the party line, and if you don't, you will be censored. It's that simple and demonetized, and that's why you're seeing just an explosion of new forums. I mean, like I said, they're they're all out there. I'm not going to name them. That'll probably get me banned. But you can find the information if you want to find it. And these other places are blowing up their their traffic. So. I don't know. It's uh, I think it's a good thing. Competition's good. And if uh, they want to have an echo chamber and some of these platforms, well, they're just going to go away to like the dodo bird. Um, most of the people are not radical. Most people are not crazy. Most people uh, want open debate and they want to hear all the information. And if a couple companies in Silicon Valley or people that are oligarchs that, are, that have bought into this, you know, techno transhuman oligarchy, techno cyberpunk i don't know what society where they're gonna they're so smart and they're gonna control everything and the rest of us are gonna live like russian peasants um i don't think everybody really bought into that and nor do i think it'll happen all right guys that's it for this week uh, appreciate the uh, subscriptions appreciate the growth in the channel i hope i'm giving you good content uh, if you feel like we are giving you good content let me know in the comments let me know how we can improve if you don't agree that's fine too you don't have to agree with everything i say like i said i'm just a guy on the internet uh, but, uh, you know, let me know what I'm missing, correct my mistakes. I'm, I'm fully, uh, able to take criticism and take correction and when I'm showing when I'm wrong, have a good weekend guys. And we'll talk to you next week.